0: going to read Luke 15:17 to 32 the reading's on the handout that you should have with you or can be found in the pew bibles Luke 15:17 to 32 this is the parable of the lost sons when he came to his senses that's the younger son when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired men have food to spare
1: And it's one of those few hymns, there aren't many, but this is one of them, that has what I call a crossover appeal, not just in sacred contexts, but in secular settings too. In fact, it it was number one, I think, for five weeks in 1972. There aren't many hymns that, that could boast of being number one in the hit parade. But why? Especially as I think, if we're honest and when we look at the words, and we'll see this in a minute, most people would actually find the words quite offensive. They really are. To a modern ear, that is. And we'll see why in a minute. Grace and mercy, of course, sound good, don't they? They really do. But I'm not too sure. Because on the whole, all of us live life according to different values. All of us live life According to a very different script. Because all of us have been brought up with a very, very different perspective. And it goes like this. Hard work pays. All of us have been brought up with that ethic, haven't we? Hard work pays. And we get what we deserve. The whole education system is is predicated on that. If you work hard, you'll get what you deserve. You'll pass the exam, you'll get the prize. And most people live their lives with that concept. And in many ways, there's perhaps in some circumstances nothing wrong with that. And we have this belief that what we get, we've worked for. You know, I've worked hard for what I have. I deserve it. Ray Bradbury the American author said, I know you've heard it a thousand times before, but it's true. Hard work pays off. And so most of us live on the basis of karma. By that I mean, what you put out comes back to you. Most people do. What you put out comes back to you. You see, as even from a, you don't have to teach kids this. Kids, young children have a real sense of justice. They really do. We understand that we understand justice, we understand retribution, what's fair, justice. No one has to tell someone how that works. It's kind of almost hardwired into us. And this fault line, and it is a fault line, between the gospel of grace a- a- and this perspective it is found in one word, verse 22. But. But father said to his servants. I've said this before. We'll do a series sometimes on the great butts of the Bible. That's B-U-T-S, not B-U-T-T-S, because that, that, that would get me into trouble, wouldn't it? The great butts. Here's one of them. But the father said. You see, the, the, the son comes in verse 21, the younger son. The son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer to, worthy to be called your son. But, you see, in in one sense, the son wasn't wrong. The younger son wasn't wrong. Um, He he was quite right. Uh, His actions and behavior had actually disqualified him. And so his cunning plan um, is is outlined in verse 19. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So his cunning plan was maybe his work will provide a way back, a future. You know, work hard, deserve it. More about that next week. But the gospel comes with a but. Uh, not that the younger son's behaviour was unimportant. No, it was catastrophic, and I think we looked at this this last year, uh, la- last week. Boy, we might have looked at it last year, but certainly last week. It was absolutely ca- it was catastrophic in his relationship with the father. The insult. There was no greater insult, really. I wish you were dead. It was catastrophic for the family business because, effectively, uh, um, a third of the business had to be sold and and capitalized. And it was catastrophic for the wider community because, still today, things aren't done in secret. So, this was not just an insult to the family. It was an insult to the wider community. And also, it kicked into touch God's covenant promise. You know, he went as far away as he possibly could. And and so it it was catastrophic what he did. And so I don't think the father is saying, but to his repentance. Because that's a key part of all the three stories. You know, that's a key part. You know, the angels in heaven rejoice when a sinner comes and repents. So that's not the issue. What he's saying, but to... Is, is the son's desire to earn it. He wanted to negotiate with the father. You could see, you know, his mind's worrying. I, I realized I've crashed and burned, so I need to somehow negotiate. And that was his, this was his negotiating principle, his position. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, so I'll, I'll come and, and somehow work so that I can somehow deserve um, your protection and deserve your love. But the father doesn't negotiate. (laughs) But, but, grace interrupts the consequences of my actions. Grace interrupts the consequences of my actions. Just as the grace of the father interrupted the son before he could start negotiating. And so we pick it up in verse 25 with the older son. And actually, interestingly, we get a really brilliant picture of the older son in these first few words. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. But of course he was. He was a, graf- a, a, a real grafter. He was a worker. So where would you find him? He'd be in the field because that's what he did. He worked and he worked hard and he worked loyally and he worked well. You know, the, this incredible contrast between this younger teenager and the older brother who was a worker. And in all our books, it's this older son which becomes the role model, frankly. You know, you don't bring a role model of some sort of person who goes and blows it and crashes and burns. No, the, he's he's a, he's respectable, isn't he? He gets what he deserves. He's earns it. And in many ways, it's quite interesting when you look at the older brother's response at the beginning of verse 28, when he finds out what's happened, the older brother became angry. And it mirrors the grumpiness of the Pharisees. I think it's a deliberate thing. Who's Jesus speaking to? He's speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's speaking to the religion. He's speaking to people like me, maybe people like you. And of course, we saw that their response to Jesus, their response to all these sinners who were attracted to Jesus was grumpiness. And so so we see the older son being grumpy, and immediately, it's really clear, and those listening would have understood, the old this is, this is the Pharisees here. The older brother is the Pharisees. And then he goes on, the older brother became angry refused to go, and so his father went out and pleaded with him. And in the end, the actions of the older son also mirror the younger son. Because the older son also now refuses to meet his father. He says no to him. Again, culturally, this showed great disrespect. This was an insult. So in many ways, the older son is behaving in no differently to the younger son in relationship to the father. And it's lovely. And, and frankly, all of us have done this before. Um, and we see this in kids all the time, this response. How does he respond, verse 20? He answered his father, look, all these years... I, I can imagine him stamping his feet as well. I used to do that. I used to go up the stairs stamping my feet. My, my parents didn't buy me a, a bike I wanted, uh, a chopper bike. Do you remember the chopper bikes? I just so wanted. Did anyone have a chopper bike when they were? I mean, I, know, I just wanted a chopper bike. And I, I can remember pleading, pleading, please, can I have a chopper bike? I said, no, you can't. And I can, I can remember, you know, stomping up the stairs. Did anyone ever do that? Yeah. yeah, I was 18 at the time. Um, and so look at the, the way the older son responds. The older brother became angry, refused to go. He answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never t- disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with his friends. He says, It's not fair. It's not fair. But he was right, actually. He is right. Actually, if we look at this humanly speaking, this is not fair. This is not just. This is not just a kind of a, the, the, the response of a petulant child. In some ways, maybe all of us should look, and from a human perspective, it isn't fair. But what it reveals is something as tragic as the younger son's original sin. You see, what it reveals is that the older son's relationship with the father is not based on love. It's based on just desserts. It's based on earning his way, paying his way. It's based on obligation. It's not love-based, is it? You can see this. It it comes out really quickly. You know, I've been slaving for you. Slaving. That's, That's not the language of love, is it? That's the language of obligation. That's the language of just desserts. You know, I deserve this. And it's, and it's tragic because in many ways, the older son's response is in many ways is very similar to the younger son. None, none of them showed love to the father. None of them responded to the father's love with, with love. And yet still the father loved him, verse 31. My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. And so the older and the younger son are both lost. They have both been alienated from the father. Both need grace and mercy. And in many ways, the key is back in verse 7, right at the beginning, um, where Jesus uh, says at the end of the first lost sheep story, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Apart from this, Luke, as I've said before, in both Luke and Acts, says there is a universal need for everybody to repent. All of us are in the, so he's being ironic here. He's being ironic. Everyone. And that was the problem. There were certain people who didn't see their need of repentance. Who? Pharisees, Sadducees. They were secure in what they did. They felt that God uh, owed them something. Because they worked jolly hard. And they were very respectable. And they were very committed. And they felt that because of this, that that actually... God owed them a favor. But Jesus is saying, everyone's in the same boat. It doesn't matter whether you're a younger son, an older son. It doesn't matter. Every single one of us is in need of God's grace and mercy. All of us need to repent. Luke 19, Jesus says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You see, if that that wasn't the case, if we don't see ourselves as instinctively lost, Jesus didn't come for us. He came for someone else. So unless we see that we're in the same position, all of us, in the same boat, actually, all of this is irrelevant to us. Just like it seemed to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus says, Matthew 9, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous but sinners. Who's he talking to? Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We're all in the same boat. So that means I have a hymn to sing. That's the good news. You see, realizing this means I have a hymn to sing. Amazing grace. But listen to the words again. Amazing grace. Why why is it sweet to sound? Because it saved a wretch like me. I once was, but now am. Okay. But can you see that to a modern ear, this is quite offensive. I'm not a wretch. I'm not lost. I'm not blind. But actually, this amazing grace is only sweet to those who realize that actually, humanly speaking, as we stand before a holy God, I am wretched, I am lost, and I am blind. Can you see what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees and the Sadducees? You see, that was the problem with the older brother. He didn't realize that. He didn't realize that he was in desperate need of grace and mercy in the same way that the younger son did. That saved a wretch like me. I was lost. I was blind. But now Jesus. That's grace. Grace. Giving me something I don't deserve. You see, the oldest son wanted to try and... Earn that through his hard work, his respectability. The younger son also tried to negotiate with the father. father says, but, but, just, grace interrupts all of that. A- and in many ways, our just deserves, Paul in, in Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. In other words, that's what I deserve. So what do I deserve? What have I earned? Well, actually death, all of us. And, and so we don't understand the seriousness of our plight before a holy God. And yet this this holds grace into incredible, in, incredible relief. This is amazing. It is amazing grace because of this, which is where we leave the story. And in many ways, um, the older son is kind of left. We don't know what happens, but he's we leave it with him outside. He's left outside. He's lost. It's the younger son who comes and realizes that by God's prodigious, amazing grace, he can be pulled back into the Father's love and the Father's family. So, what does that mean to us? Two things very quickly. Number one, I come with sheer wonder and humility and amazement and eternal gratitude that God loves me because he loves me because of his grace. There is no reason the only thing I bring to the table is my sin and I receive God's grace and mercy. Free to me but costly to Christ who won that on the cross through his death and resurrection. Which is why that always takes away any pretense of self-righteousness. Wow, that's grace. That's why the gospel is good news. This is so unique in in the whole history of humanity, this sense of grace. Isn't it good? It's
0: amazing
1: that I will stand when I die before God, a holy God, realizing that my just deserts would send me to hell, that actually by God's grace through his love demonstrated on a cross, he calls me in. That's grace and mercy. And then I treat others with grace and expectation. Grace, if God found me, he can find others. No one is outside the possibility of coming in faith and repentance to Christ. And so that engages our action, too, as we look at how we can share this incredible good news with other people, how they too can be recipients of this grace and mercy and this love as they come in faith and repentance before God himself. And the rest of this term, uh, we're going to be thinking about that as we start thinking out, looking out. How can we be people who take this good news, this gospel, how can we share that? as we've experienced that with other people in our world. So with that in mind, let's pray. And then um, we'll sing in a moment. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you loved us so much that you died for us on a cross. And Lord, we forgive us for we are so familiar with those words. The words come so quickly off the tongue and yet... Lord, we pray that you, by your Spirit, may give us a deep understanding and a deep experience of that love and that grace. And that as we come to you in faith and repentance, as we trust you, we may know what it is to grow in that grace as we seek to share that with others. We ask this in Jesus' name.